0: Yeah, I think everyone's keen to look past their neighbor for their information or their sort of, their weekly media that they get as an update. Um, They're looking for evergreen pieces of content that can outgrow their sort of business of what they're doing and they can rehash, re-go to.
1: Welcome to Boots Off Log On, a podcast where we talk all things farm business. A show about the business of farming, bringing you insights and wisdom from the leaders in farm business, helping you minimise risk and maximise return on all your hard work. I'm David, and I'll be your host for the show. Good everybody, and welcome to another episode of Boots Off Log On. Today I'm talking with Jack Creswell, the founder and the voice behind Farms Advice Podcast, one of the more popular podcasts for farmers in Australia. Jack is also a busy full-time farmer, owning and managing a substantial white Dorper sheep farming operation in Wilcannia and Dungaree in New South Wales. Jack is another one of the new generation of agricultural storytellers, recording and sharing the stories of people in farm business with a special focus on regular farmers and people at the operational end of farming. And as a farmer, Jack has this ability to ask questions of his guests that are relevant to you as a listener because Jack wants to know as well. After graduating from his bachelor's degree in agribusiness and marketing, Jack ended up working in various marketing roles in London where he was inspired to start the podcast about Australian farming before eventually returning to the farm in Australia. It is always good to get to know the story of people behind the microphone, and Jack is no exception. Jack is a passionate farmer who loves sharing the stories of other people in farming and farm businesses. I really enjoyed this conversation. I think you will too. Now over to Jack. Uh, Well, welcome to the podcast, Jack. It's my turn to um, ask you a thousand questions this time,
0: eh? mate. I'll have to... Quite quickly on my feet to see how it all sort of happens this side. It's good though. Um, I'm keen to hear what your questions are.
1: Well, mate, I've actually, in getting ready to talk to you, I've, um, you know, doing the obvious research. Now, you've, you did your, uh, just a quick thing and I'll get you to run down on these a bit, but you did your agribusiness marketing and man- you did a great agribusiness and major in marketing, yeah, and management. You're now the manager of uh, White Dorper Stud, which you've obviously been busy at today. And um, you founded Avert Your Eyes, um, the marketing company as well. And now the voice and founder of Farms Advice Podcast. You're a busy man. So, can you run us through the story? How do we, That's a lot, right? So, how, well, tell us the, the Jack Creswell story.
0: It is a lot, and then burnout in the last year or two will probably be the other story of that, but no, I uh, grew up on our family farm, which like when i was I tell this story all the time, but to me, we just had sheep, and I didn't really put two and two together that we sold the sheep, and that's how we got food on our tables and as a young person, I sort of thought we had everything um but apparently we were doing it pretty tough back in the day throughout the droughts, but us kids, we didn't really know we still got the eighty at christmas and run around wherever we wanted um and that was probably a hardy growing up uh school of the air was a cool thing to be able to say that we did we brother and i did it before the internet came up so we didn't have the dial up going in Uh, we just had the radio we had to fill in our work so we did mum we sort of got our work done in four weeks and had the rest of the term off and that was probably my farming agricultural journey, where it all started. When we were out there, I hated the word farm um, because we're all station properties um, out there, sort of thing. And farms were farms for hobby farmers.
1: <laughs> so where's out there, Jack? So tell us about. So where was where are we talking?
0: We were um, western side of the river, in between Tulpa and Kenya, and then that's where Analara was the station. And Analara was is now. But we still continue to hold the Analara White Dorper stud. Um, from out there, it started out there, but granddad back in the day, I found out dribs and drabs over time of what he did, what dad and himself did. Um, but like that was sort of the point fast forwarding to, we can't actually lose this information. If we're losing this of my granddad, um, imagine what we are, um, later on. And then I don't know, time sort of passed by and then podcasting was a platform. I um, mean, I sort of, like all these networks and different things I did sort of just got me looking outside of the box. Um, like I did an internship in China, um, shat myself when I first arrived because I had no idea what was going on, about 20 blokes trying to prod me into their black cab. Um, and lucky I didn't go into there because I found out a few of those are organ harvesters, not the harvesters just through at home. It just I don't know, trying to do something different. I was in Europe for four years because I knew I had to get off the farm and get someone else's money as dad was going through the drought on our farm. But I always went over there with the intentions to take information back um, back into Australian agriculture, whether that be our farm, industry, and always sort of thought, um, I don't know if this is where you want me to go with it, but like a need for service to do something more for the industry and – um sort of found the avenue, the gap of what I thought wasn't sort of happening or what I was listening to in American content. This needs to happen in Australia and I just sort of uh, bugger it. I'll, I'll see how I go and how ridiculous can it be? And the first 10 episodes were ridiculous to me but it popped a fair few listens which was really good and they continued to do so. But like the first episode just was a mate, um, James Macker, and – the editing was a bit ridiculous on that, just start, stop, start, stop, just because we were laughing the whole time.
1: <laughs> did you talk about tech? I'll, 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 I'm going to go back to the beginning in a bit in a minute, but just so I were here on the podcast. Uh, tell me about that first podcast. Where were you? What did you record it on? And did you have any idea of what you're going to talk about before you started?
0: It was a few Ks away. I was over in London. This is where the podcast started because of lockdown and everything. I had a blog for a few years before that and Facebook group, but I love podcasts. And I was like, oh, just to make it easy, I'll have a maid on. I probably should have got someone I didn't know on. Um, because, well, the first question was, oh, how do I run? Like, how do we do this? And then we just, I don't know, we laughed for about 20 minutes and took about four hours to make a 20 minute sort of episode. Um, I think, yeah, it was just, it was funny that we made it funny. On the back end, it was a bit serious and everything. Um, we were both reasonably close out of university, so we didn't have the expertise. But I thought I'd just go down that sort of path and ask ask what my mate's been up to on his farm. I'll
1: tell you what, there's, a, um, there, there's a really um, a podcast that uh, my eldest son loves and literally I think it is just two mates who just sit there and just, it's almost like you're intruding. When he watch, he watches all his on YouTube, which is obviously a thing as well. And it's like you're watching two mates getting drunk, having a conversation in their lounge room. That's pretty much the whole content of the podcast. It's about nothing. It's like a, it's like a Jerry Seinfeld episode, really. Every every time they record it, like it's um, ridiculous, but funny. Um, hey mate, so uni, so. You're on the you're on the station, or you had you moved sort of close to Dubbo this this. So so what was the decision? You're on the farm, you know, it was a bit tough. Well, you're at the station, a bit tough. You'd done school with the air. Did you were you always going to go into ag? Was it always going to be a thing for you? Like you went and did agri uh, agribusiness degree. So wh- where did you go? Why did you decide to do that?
0: Well, I was a bit before then. I actually like we moved to Dubbo for family reasons, a bit closer to family. Sydney was Like Everyone went to Adelaide really from out there, but we were drawn into Sydney because of family Um, and looking for schooling options and also looking for geographical, like better producing regions Mm -hmm. um, because we're sort of in the same amount we are here in Central West as we were on 10 times the amount of acres out there and to be scalable, um, we thought we might just downsize, but we held on to that plot of land out there for a fair while until 2011. and then actually I wanted to be a builder because all of my mates from school, this is like we went to school first year of school. He was year three, I believe, for me. Um Holding on to mum's leg, not wanting to let go because the school of Matt and I, Matt's my brother, um, no longer existed and we actually had to go mingle with some other kids. So I was pretty shy. I was shy right until like the first year of uni and then uni, O-week got it out of me, I believe. <laughs> uh as it always does, but no, I wanted to be a chippy only because mates were going that way. I always sort of had the farm that I went to. Um, I was always the one that went out west with dad every two weeks or something to help him out do the sheep. Always, um, always sort of the farm kid, the sheep kid. I like sort of nerding out on that sort of stuff, or just I don't know I like the lifestyle, the livestock, mm-hmm. the measurement of improving. You can see it yourself with your eyes if you go visit your paddock. As much as the data we're collecting now, um, that visual appeal for a farmer to see his paddock improve um, a little bit greener than it was five years ago, not because of the conditions but the way you've sort of managed it.
1: So do you find a big gap between you went to uni and then um, just we'll jump back to the farm then. So, you know, what you learnt at uni and when you started farming, like what well, I call it full-time or, you know, when you, you, it became your career as much as podcasting is. Did you find there was a still a massive learning curve for you? Because this is this is an experience that everyone in agriculture finds. Like I went to, to uni as well and then eventually went back farming for 10 years originally. So that gap between uni knowledge and farm knowledge, how did you find that?
0: Well, I didn't really go directly back to farm. I did for a year and then I went overseas. So I grew a little within that, um, which helped me out with communication with family, which is always... I want to run it this way, they want to run it that way, and it's just a clash of heads and nothing gets done. Um, so gladly I grew up a little bit when I um, when I did come back after COVID, which was really good. But I think that the information um, that I acquired over that time sort of helped me out, but also Dad brought me back down um, to the ground because I thought I would just implement this, that, and everything else um, when I come back. It just doesn't work like that, does it? No. Um, On farms, we need to be quite sensible about it. But like leaning on him for telling me no for some decisions um, is pretty good to hear. I remember my
1: I did this fourth year um, project in my last year of uni, and it was basically a full five year uh, farm expansion model, you know, and. Obviously, I was at uni, so I was this model. I was going to make a fortune, right? <laughs> it was just the best thing ever. Yeah, when I got back to the farm, it got pretty real pretty quick, and it wasn't as easy as my uh, beautiful model I'd built at uni. So, um, yeah. So, you went overseas. So you you graduated and went overseas. Can you tell me a bit about this journey? So you got London. I heard London, China,
0: um, Europe. I tried to do an in exchange in the US, but you needed so ever many amount of units at the end of your degree I didn't have that amount so like fast track that I found this Chinese program that a lot of Brits were on um they were all on scholarships for that and we had to pay our way to get over there but that was really cool to see how they lived and I sort of backed the Chinese up as a nation now because like the way they work and people in Australia just have a different view of them I suppose so that sort of shaped me in some way um but I actually worked for a German lady she was terrible um So to counteract that, I wish I actually worked for a Chinese person. They worked hard. They also slept on the job, which was astounding. Like you want your accountant or something and then you can't get her because she's just head down on the desk, literally head down on the desk, (laughs) not doing anything until her hour of napping's up because they just try to nap whenever they –
1: Is that because they're working such long hours? Is it they just nap when they're at work a lot or is it just a – they just nap and work normal hours?
0: Advantage of um whenever their downtime is if they because they're special at work like no tomorrow, um which like that was at the time didn't really know um but like I made on that trip got me on to podcasts initially, mm-hmm. um and then I never really looked back from that being my medium to go to to listen for new stuff or funny stuff, um and then London was the bigger move. My mum's British, so I had the passport. Always wanted to use it at some – I didn't want to sort of waste it and not go over there for some period of time, whether that be six months. Um, I was over there and Dad still believed I was down in the back paddock. He was didn't really think I was going to go. And it was like three weeks before, you're going, eh? You're not going. And then like day before, the flight like, you're actually going? Yeah, I'm, I'm going. And then like I had no end date because I didn't have a visa. I was on a passport, which was really cool. And then that's where I found out the work of like, how does all this digital marketing, sort of tech, financial, how does everything actually happen? It's not just the press of a button. You've actually, it's quite manual work. Um, You've got to sit in front of the computer for a fair whack of your day and actually implement these ideas. And if it's not you, there's someone below you that's trying to like bash out the keyboard to get this, put this together, and it turns out into something um, quite beautiful in, in the end. So that was a learning lesson, but, you know, I worked from financial publishing, medical publishing for a professor that, um, was a typical doctor, but knew his craft. And he was like, Charing Cross was a huge hospital in London. Um, and they ran a, the world vascular event. I learned a fair bit about vascular veins because I was the marketing, um, person for that event. But, never actually got to see the event because COVID came so we worked for like 10 months and then COVID chopped us off.
1: Wow so so you're working in Europe in, in the context of you're working in 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 marketing roles in Europe.
0: Initially I went through business marketing but few and far between um, didn't know anyone and I was like oh, I'll just have a crack at anything.
1: Yeah definitely so I'm going to get to what you've learned from your podcast guests, but let's go initially when you're working in these different industries so I'm always, I'm a big fan of people in ag working outside of ag to have, have perspective. And so what do you think you learned from that time in Europe and London in your marketing roles that you've been able to bring back or give you perspective of you, not only just with farms advice, but also as a farmer yourself?
0: Um, I think processes and structures, probably the number one thing, um, limiting farmers getting to their next sort of potential and frameworks, which is what? Businesses in the cities actually have implement sit around the table for four hours of the day trying to um implement these strategies. When farmers are on the go, they don't have these frameworks or processes because it may be just them or a couple of others on farm. The work that I did was so applicable to what could be on farm and how you could take those templates and actually implement it into your own farms. Yeah, the processes like setting up a meeting, a frequent meeting just with Dad and I is. It's so foreign to him, but like I sort of I, – I came back. I was having daily meetings within marketing. I was head of marketing and then I'd have to talk to the directors of the events yeah. um, to get it across to my nearly 90-year-old um, professor and then to put it into terms to different sort of people, um, learning how people communicate, what they're m- most receptive to um, and what they aren't, which is probably – really good on the family farm but when when it's your own family the context sort of changes a little bit then you can get your sort of frustrations out and um but like there's there was so much that i learned um from more than across the ditch over in uk it's hard to put a finger on it but um i definitely found out that we're in the best country of all
1: yeah definitely i think you know Travel makes you appreciate home. I I even find travel through, um, in our office, we have people from a vast variety of backgrounds and countries and one of the things is they help me appreciate where I actually live Um, (laughs) because um, they go, you don't realise how beautiful this place is on on a global context. So the way the podcasting you do, the podcast you release, it's obviously become a big success. Do you think the way you know, we are now in ag, you know, when I was a young farmer, it was, you know, the you'd get the farm weekly or the stock and land and you had, you know, the country hour, you know, that was probably the extent of your information. If you had an an ag advisor, you'd have, you know, maybe a newsletter. Um, So these days, the way that we are learning in ag, the way that ag information is, do you think, so what do you think is happening differently now within ag? especially with your generation of farmers and how you're consuming data, information and stuff? Do you think podcasting is now becoming one of those big mixes?
0: Yeah, I think everyone's keen to look past their neighbour for their information or their sort of their weekly media that they get as an update. Um, They're looking for evergreen pieces of content that can outgrow their sort of business of what they're doing and they can rehash, re-go to, Like like your old sort of, economic book that would help you um, set up your business or something or the economy, how's it work Um, and bringing that together and making sure that content is pretty relevant today as it will be in four or five years. Um, That's the approach that I think a lot of the podcasts go for and all that storytelling, how can this episode help one person today? Um, I think a lot of younger people, it needs to be accessible on the go. Um, although it's like life's pretty busy at the moment. We want to slow down as much as we can, but sometimes we need to take um that knowledge with us in our pockets um as it is is. we got the mobile phones doing wonders for us. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's definitely it's shifted. It hasn't replaced. Um I just think it allows more accessibility to those people. Um, like we we're Western New South Wales, and that's initially who I wanted the podcast to be for. The, Husband and wife teams, a husband or wife team, just on their own, um, trying to do their best. They can't make that event in Sydney, Adelaide, Hobart, um, because it's a thousand k's away, and also plus a thousand dollars to get there. Let alone getting a caretaker for the farm, station, property, mm-hmm. wherever you may be. That's like the power in that and actually giving them the ability to hear these stories.
1: And as your, do you think the people that you interview or the the the, the way you present the podcast has changed as your audience has grown. So, you know, your, your, your ideal um, listener you had in mind was your Western New South Wales farming couple originally. And now you're, you know, you the, obviously you're listened to widely across Australia and probably globally. The subjects you bring up and the the people you think you're talking to in your head now when you're selecting your topics, has that changed?
0: Um, it's definitely a bit broader out from my own community into like industry challenges or well, like the challenges i find on our farm they tend to be industry challenges as well like um making sure we have a smooth succession that that's a huge one for me to um for our family farm but also for others i don't want to other people out there to stuff up um from like business structures of mates like it if i hear of a mate setting up a business as uh, so i'll What's your structure for that? I, I don't have the idea or I just want them to be toggled to go, Oh, maybe company or something um, better. But like we're not giving advice. We're giving avenues to go contact these four accountants in your region or um, have a yarn to this person that was on the podcast. That's, I think that's where it's sort of gone to. Um, and each episode will tackle a different bit of the farm or in the office, um, about creating generational sort of wealth for that and setting ourselves up um, so we can counteract the slump in the land market at the moment.
1: It's a bit like um, a lot of, uh, I was the, I listened to a podcast um, by, by a guy called Shane Parrish called The Knowledge Project and it was really interesting. It sounds similar, he, he's in business, but what he did, he started similar to starting a blog and it was just to record his own learnings. Um, and so he was just blogging like a diary, I suppose, um and then he started getting followers which flowed into a podcast which is now a full career for him. So it's really interesting. It's almost like um when I'm listening to you, it's almost like I'm learning live on the internet with other people listening in. Like it's like um because if you're interested, you know, other people There was a
0: like initially there was a level of selfishness, like I tell everyone to be selfish and like learn as much as you can off anyone, but like for you and I to have this one-on-one conversation, I'm getting a lot out of you and you might be getting a little bit out of me but more so if it was um, talking to an accountant, talking to a financial mm-hmm. advisor or a about their operation. Um, farmers are pretty uptight about talking about themselves but when it's one-to-one, I can sort of open them up and they, they're keen to divulge what they've up to, been up to, why that sort of secret sauce worked for them. Um, the key.
1: Are you surprised, do you find that people are surprised that, you know, um, everyone has a story, you know, a lot of people have value that they don't even realise they have. Do you find your guests kind of like go, well, I didn't know I had that in me, I didn't know I had that to offer the world, Like, you know what I mean, Like when you start interviewing them?
0: Well, about one in ten would be surprised because none of those said, why me? Um, I heard you had Ollie on the leave from Curious yeah. of Ag and, he has the same trouble. I'd imagine like as AgriMask, even yourselves, you'd have the same trouble because like I've contacted these people that bash on Twitter, like really good stuff. I um, mean, the industry, what's the challenges they, they're having, maybe policies not working for them. They they go on there, they're like quite in depth. And then I send them, send them a DM and, nah, it's not for me. Why would you want me on there? Like that's literally yeah. what they're saying um, back to me.
1: Yeah, it's it's great, isn't it? And I think it's a good um, lesson for everybody that like everybody has this unique life experience, don't they? And you you've found that with your interviews is that, and it's amazing that your the life you've led on your farm, with your experience, with your education, with your parents, with your district is unique in in its own little way, and so you have something to 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 share with the rest of the agricultural world. So and. You know, people like yourself and Ollie are really pulling that out of agriculture.
0: I just, yeah, I just tell them, oh, let, let's see how it goes and like ease them into it. And then after the conversation or something, it's like, oh, I didn't think that would be so easy, but it's just like, I don't know, pulling up at it on the dirt road um, because your neighbour's passing you and having a quick conversation that you tell the wife you'll be five minutes, but you're actually two hours. <laughs> um <laughs> Six pack or something along, but that's, that's what it's all about, sort of opening people up. Um, there's also the vulnerability side. I started like farm yards as a segment mm. and then it's got a podcast there just to find out a bit about that person and what makes them tick and what got them to get their farm performing. Like, where do they find their resources? Um, and how that sort of all works. But you'd know from that one as well. Yeah, no,
1: that was a, that was actually more difficult than the than the original the, the proper one, I think. Yeah. So learning. So do you sit there and go like I've you know your guests, and sometimes you go, God, that's just gold for me and my own business, whether it be your podcasting business or your like. What do you think of the big things that you've learnt that you've just been so grateful for the guests you've had for the things that you've learnt personally.
0: Uh, there's probably just like a few big ones is like take action from it. And like on the podcast episodes, if there's a bit of a gasp in between, or like I didn't have the best question, it's because I'm, I'm muddled up with shit. I should do that at home. <laughs> and then I'm running through what I should be doing tomorrow, um, to see if we can get something like that happening. And then I've got to actually come up with it in Question, um, ready you go to the next one? And then I'm just sort of, oh, you can
1: edit that one out anyway, mate.
0: Yeah, definitely. But I think, yes, um, sort of start now, keep looking. It's annoying how much knowledge I'm trying to consume, um, on a daily basis. I listen to a lot of podcasts if I'm mustering, um, on the tractor with one earphone in, um, of course, so I can listen for the louder noises going around me. Um, yeah, always looking to consume something different. But if a title looked terrible, I want to listen to that episode as well because I don't know what the value is within that for me or if it's not not within my world to a level, um, I'd be keen to have a listen to it and see how or what I could implement from it.
1: Do you find the same – subject? are there subjects that regardless of what guest you get on, are there subjects that always resonate with your audience?
0: Um, The – the taboos, I suppose, about communication, mm. talking with your family, succession, um, the hard ones. It's, it's hard for me to get that out properly. Like if I say about succession sucks or something, it's so hard. People think that I'm going through that, but I'm trying to open the person up, mm. um, as, as well and see like why that is an issue and what's on the other side and why that outcome happened and not this one. Um they may have wanted the different outcome or the same outcome it doesn't matter, but yeah it's it is a hard one um but also, like all farm investment was one of the biggest segments. I think I've done four or so episodes on that yeah, um like to set set ourselves up and like we reinvest into the farm so much, but maybe we don't think about that until we hear a podcast or in the newspaper whatever
1: so what are you hoping that that? you know, the farmers listening to your podcast get out of it? Like if you could say, okay, I just want the people listening to get this out of this. Um, so what would you, you know, the value you're hoping to add to the world, I suppose, through Farm Advice?
0: It's probably just the same as if I rocked up to an event for a speaker. I want like something to implement. It didn't cost me money straight away, like about my mindset or something, to impact my daily routine and improve my outlook. Um, and in the end, get a holiday that you deserve as a farmer. I think that's what we're all sort of striving for. But to set these up, I'm, I'm sort of sick of the working 24-7. Mm-hmm. I work a lot. But that's to um, enhance what we're doing here so I don't have to in the next couple of years. I sort of feel like this is my peak time to put some hours behind the clock.
1: Yeah, it is. You're still so. a young guy, mate. You've got a lot of energy to use.
0: I need to go sleep earlier and wake up earlier. But... It doesn't always happen.
1: Um, I'm sure there's about a thousand podcasts on some sort of streaming platform to tell you to do exactly that. Or stop listening to podcasts. Are you getting outside. Do you reckon is your audience spreading outside of ag? So you know you mentioned Ollie before, and he was talking about you know he's trying to get. It's very it's a different thing to you. So but he he's trying to reach an audience outside of ag to sort of introduce ag to the broader audience. Whereas yours seems to be. A lot more ag focused audience. Um, is you, are you getting an audience? Are you or you might may or may not know these stats. Do you do you feel that you're getting an audience outside of ag, even though you're very, uh, I suppose, farm business focused in in your content?
0: It like it would honestly be a whiskey. I feel like it would be the um, your five mates around the listeners that listen to the podcast would be those that sort of get pulled in every now and then. But my EPOS is focus on the internals and the externals will look after themselves. Mm-hmm. I find like a lot of people, waste their, their own life, their own time, um, their own money, trying to connect city and country together. Um, but when we really need to improve the individual farms for impact on the community, people move to the community, go work on these farms and they see that they're, they're really well-run um, pieces And that's a bit of a long burn for how we can improve ourselves, but I think I'll continue focusing on the internals, um, let the others focus on the externals to improve our sort of, our image to everyone. I think Hmm. it's still really important, but we need to have successful farms um, making some profit out there at the moment and like considering how the swings of agricultural commodities can go, um, no matter what it is from horticulture, and there's a lot of, Blaming the farmer, but we're just the very start of the production chain. It's a very long chain, um, but like that may be the wrong sentence. But I'll never know.
1: Yeah, and and I think that's the um, the reality. Do you do you feel that you, the the way you do yours is that? There, I always feel that like if I'm listening to say farms advice, it feels like okay. There's other people. If I'm a farmer, there's other people going through what I'm going through, or Wow, that's a great idea that X Y Z has done. That I'll, I'll try give that a go. Are you, are you? Is it the? Is it that deliberate aim? I think the feel of that yours is that when you listen to farms' advice, kind of like you can listen and you go, yeah, but um, you know, Jim's struggling with that too. I'm not the only one. You know, you got a bit of that
0: as well as the learning to boot. Yeah, I think like we need to share our struggles, otherwise we won't get past them at all. And Jay, blow down there that didn't listen to the episode. He's going through that thing and his life is the worst because it's only him going through this, um, the struggle that probably 40% of the industry sector is actually going through himself. But talking to the people like we are right now, um, you get a real buzz out of doing. And like I get, like after an episode, I go, Oh, I'd like to implement a fair <laughs> bit of that. And that, that actually comes, um, comes back. Mostly because of the farm operators that I interview, I think these are a class act and how they do it. Like from trading cattle, um, starting from nothing, not a farming background. It's yeah, it's pretty cool to be there talking about them. Um,
1: There's a lot of smart people in Ag in there. Like it's just when you get to interview people, you go, my god, you know, like everyone's, you know, you know, the the community puts up all these other industries or these other professions as these. people are doctors or they're whatever. You know, there's a lot of really smart cockies out there running some outstanding businesses, aren't there?
0: But, yeah, and people just won't know or never will because they don't share their information. Um They're very hard at sharing the information with local, like, LLS or something just to improve or, like, pass on data like that. Um, But our knowledge is data and I think we need to save it pretty well.
1: Yeah, do you reckon the... The uh, the podcasts like yours are also trying to fill, uh are, are not trying, but uh, incidentally filling that gap between shrinking communities. Because you know, when I grew up in, in my small community, there was a lot of farmers. Like you know, we had a we had a little town. You know, you're I know you're yeah just outside of Dubbo, but we were out of town and we had a community with a town hall and tennis courts. All that's gone. I think there's only about three farmers left in that community these days because everyone's been bought out by other people. Do you think? Because we've got less footy clubs, less little community halls, less sort of stuff, that, that podcasts and YouTube and those sort of ways of communicating with each other, Twitter, is is filling a bit of that void.
0: Yeah, 100%. I don't want it to replace it because, like, we face the dwindling community out of Kenya, Tulpa. Um, Like, there used to be the weekly tennis comps that I remember going across the um, black soil when it was raining trying to get to the tennis comp. Um, like no tomorrow, and then they just sort of diminished. But like, if you're traveling along, someone's going through your same journey, could be over in WA, they're on a farm, Mm -hmm. and it's pretty pretty powerful to be talking, like sat right next to them. Um, you feel pretty connected to the person, you know, oh, that is pretty cool. And like, you feel, you feel at home with that sort of, uh, that content and where it's sort of taking you or what you can implement. And you're sort of always grateful for that piece as well. You come back to the episodes. like I implemented that Ag tech um off that episode back in twenty twenty when we're in past twenty thirty or something. Yeah. And it's it's a unique sort of spot to be listening to it. But as podcasters, you never know the real impact that could happen off the back of one.
1: So you're a young guy in ag. I'm just interested. Do you have a particular view? I I've I've got I, I'm sort of I, I think I am a generation, like I'm 53, mate, so I'm a bit older than you. So I'm another generation, but I'm noticing now the, the, the your generation are coming through and they're being a lot more innovative. So what's your sort of, are you quite upbeat about the next generation or your generation coming through ag doing it a little differently? Like, look at you, you're a farmer and a podcaster with a bit of media, you know, there's, and so do you think your generation are going to be mixing it up a bit more or changing it in some way? Or putting their own spin on it?
0: I probably position myself like in the middle for that. Like I've only learnt that. I positioned, like I said before, flat out ag tech all the way. Every asset um, element to our farm will have ag tech on it. And then when I got back in a couple of years in, I was like, all right, righto, Dad, I'll listen to you. The <laughs> podcast also, like I want to take traditional techniques that's still applicable to today's realm Tack on a piece of technology to that to see how it works, but I think we need to take that knowledge that we've learned about these areas um, and apply the different technologies, different techniques, new techniques, new experiences to what we've what we're doing. I'm going to apply them like all the boys and girls, I suppose, the means of that return back to the family farm at the average age of 28, which is the age. Um, that I return, which is funny, funny enough. Um, But I think we need to take us younger kids don't really listen too much to our parents about like that sort of deeper stuff, especially on the farm. I think deeper conversations don't happen all the time with your mum and dad or even your um, grandma, granddad, whatever you may call them. I think that's pretty cool conversations like granddad last Last few words he said to me was just work hard, look after the family. Um, and he's passed now, so that's knowledge that I'll never get.
1: Yeah, and it's really, and do you feel like sometimes you're capturing that knowledge for the community?
0: Yeah, I was thinking of that the other day. Like mum's in mental health, um, to get her information on there or her experiences to see how farmers could deal with it. She's been in regional, travels up to Walgett, um, and everything. She probably doesn't want to be divulging everything. Um, but the impact that she would have had on rural communities, but also the impact of her being on a podcast is really cool. Mm -hmm. Like touch every piece of wood in here. If she was ever to pass away, we got a little clip and I think that's pretty cool to, if the podcast isn't successful, you've got on there, had a vulnerable conversation, opened up and hopefully talked to other people out there. Um, it's not the reason why it started, but I think it's cool for the guests to come on and say, oh, we'll pass that episode along to the, their kids, um, or their friends and family. So I was on a podcast, <laughs> it may just be fun. Far, farming podcast, <laughs> um, no shameless media here, but like to actually be on a podcast is quite cool, but to be in your realm, in your, um, career path is even cooler as a farmer. I reckon.
1: Yeah, definitely. And so, you know, you know how you left and you got that wonderful experience because, you know, you went and worked overseas. Is that something you'd recommend? So you've got um, some young guys and girls at uni or just finishing up school and they're thinking of either going to do an ag, ag diploma degree or go back to the farm. Would you, is it, would you recommend, hey guys, go and work in some other industry in some other country and just come back later? Is that something you, you think really healthy?
0: I wouldn't recommend it. I'd probably just go and buy their flights to make sure they got over there because <laughs> it's like I worked in ex-military recruitment which dealt with like European ex-military um, and trying to get back into civil life and when could you ever do that? Like coming from an agricultural background, mm. I was a manager. I was on 18,000 pounds a year which is planning out over 30 grand at the AUD price at the moment. Um, trying to bide my way through marketing in london um but like the experiences aren't known until you get back home or if you ever get back home um and you sort of reflect on them how they go now i don't always have time to reflect but like these episodes like this one um allowed me to re- reflect and probably readjust where i want to go or i know i'm going on the right way or something like that and
1: Does it make you think like that? So, for example, you went away. You didn't have to come home, I suppose. So, but you chose to go home. Like, it wasn't just a reaction. I'm just going to go from school to the farm or from school to uni to farm. Does that mean that when you're there, you know you want this? That that this is what I've chosen?
0: Yeah, I felt um, like when I was in interviews, I had a shit of a run for like getting a job over there. I had 374, like, applications that I sent through with cover letters I had 74 first interviews and some of them were four interviews deep and then I got a couple of the jobs and then the next day they pulled them so I wiped all the other jobs off because I said no nah, I've got a job now just those sort of things that make you a little bit hardier um actually like I got to the I got to one interview turned out to be a pyramid scheme um I can make a whole episode out of this and they wouldn't let me leave but like I was in there and they were like all hailing this bloke out the front that would probably pay them their five quid a day or whatever. Like, this is I got past the point of being so angry at the girl saying it was a marketing coordinator job. And it's just like without saying F you too much, I was like, No, I'll just see how like this this other life live. Um went through the interview, I was like, Can I go now? And th- they weren't letting me leave this pyramid scheme. And like after that interview, I, I cried. That was my lowest. And from that point, I knew I wouldn't get any lower than that. My mates in London over there, they knew it was a pretty low point for me.
1: So does that give you perspective now? I mean, to have that lived experience, which is, you know, it's bloody hard, right?
0: Yeah, it does. And like it, like in Australia, if I applied for a job, um, I, I applied for a couple of jobs in A before like after university and I, I got them. I just didn't go out there and like Australia's just got it too good, like applying for jobs and seeing. Um, but you get in that job and you, you're you quite comfortable in that job and that allows you to get outside your comfort zone, whether it be to South America. Um, I'd probably challenge and go to like directly to Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, but that language barrier put me off even though you can learn it. Um, I thought it would be quite good to stay stay somewhere that spoke my language, and maybe I could duck off and try to speak another language.
1: Yeah, no. Well, they say travel broadens the mind, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, it shapes you. It's the most cliche thing um, anyone could ever say. Is travel will open your eyes, and it certainly does.
1: Yes, yeah, certainly does. So, mate, to um, start putting a bow on it. So, your vision for farms advice. Where you're hoping? I mean, obviously, farming's a long term part of your your life and the, and the White Door started and et cetera. So, so tell me about the other part of your life, which is the podcast. Um, what vision do you have for that going forward, do you think?
0: I get asked that question a lot. Um, I always want it to be farmer-led, whether that's me as a farmer. Um, I have a few collaborators or something like that um, within different, different sectors of agriculture. But I just want to continue the consistency of one or two a week Um, hitting different marks. If an episode gets 10 listens or an episode gets 3000, um, it doesn't really matter. I think like those 10 million dollar average in assets at the very minimum, um, they would have implemented something off that surely. Um, it's, it's hard to know where it's going to go because I'm still farming and still podcasting. And if I wasn't farming, I wouldn't be podcasting and I wouldn't have these questions, um, burning to ask, um, Dad gets a few questions at him, so I've got to ask someone else. So that's where the podcast is going. But I think, I don't know, trying to grow it as a business, Um, uh, I don't want to sort of go down just selling merch and then podcasting and whatnot and just sort of end up into a gossip podcast like what they do, taking them away. I think like it needs to create impact whether that's for one person or um is for three million downloads a year, I don't know.
1: Yeah, definitely. And look, it's an advantage. So do the people... And I think for those people listening to this one is that for yours as well. So the 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 value you can extend to other people by going on your podcast or, um, and is you know don't worry, you know the guest a a host like you will will find that value. But it is really great. It's putting that value out there, and people can take it or leave it. Really, isn't it? But it's usually valuable to you as a guest in itself.
0: Yeah, like I offer every business ag business one that. Operates within the industry a free episode to come on um, showcase what they do for farmers. I'll extrapolate something um, unique that maybe they didn't even sort of think of being on farm and um, landmarking all lambs today or drenching lambs and what I come from. Um, I think it's important to get this information out and like a few of the the bigger operators, I ask them to come on the podcast and they say how much and I'm. <laughs> At the back, and I'm like, let me have a think. I'll ask mum. But like, no, yeah. they, they need to come on and offer what they're doing for farmers because on the other side, there's a person there. I actually had one the other day. I get a lot of PR people coming in. and To me, I'm like, I know you're paid to contact me to give a free episode. That pisses me off, but I'll do the episode anyway. And then I get to the episode I'm like, Shit! I'm glad I didn't pass this up because this person's so good for me, but also every other farmer. Um, that episode will be out in a while, but you don't know what you don't know, and it's annoying at that. If had I known and I said no, it would have been annoying to me and many other farmers. It's
1: always worth stopping for a chat, basically.
0: Yeah, certainly.
1: There's a. Um... I don't know, you're probably a bit young. He used to be a country singer called Colin Buchanan, and he used to have a uh, a song um, that was pretty much basically, the whole lyrics were like, um, uh, I wish he had a dollar for every time he stopped for a yarn. And, um, yeah, and most of the song was about people asking about the weather. <laughs> Good old-fashioned 1980s, 90s country music from Australia. <laughs> Wasn't anything fancy. Mate, when you're not doing all this, you're a busy man. What do you do outside of buddy farming do you do you Do you have a life outside the farm and the podcast mate? do you do you like surfing, snowboarding?
0: At the moment, my hobby' is building up and cleaning up the farm, um the new block and trying to improve there. But motorbike riding was a big one. My shoulders are probably going for footy, um, and footy took a lot of time. Um for that. I'd love to play footy, I reckon I could, but I'd need to be hundred percent committed to training and everything. Um but I think I might buy a bike and do think again with my brother. Oh, um, yeah. that was a like I love big tasks to set my eyes on. Like I did the London Marathon. Um and the training in London before that was better than the actual marathon. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really like that's that's what you say. Um <laughs> but like doing the <laughs> doing the fifteen Ks, that's what makes you get out and run to work. So I used to run 8k's um 2 work and 8k's back from work and like when I came back and told people that it was like no you didn't it was like well that's what you do over there you sort of you're in the moment rather than I couldn't imagine running to the shearing shed or the sheep yards now No wait anyway, and it's only 2k's
1: i know so tell me about this motorbike trip so where are you going to, where, so where's it go
0: no you, like think desert races oh yeah pre- yeah yeah Australia, if not the world um We did in 2017, which was, I cried at the end of it, seeing the end of the whoops, because like that was the most mentally draining thing I've ever done, Um, but I got the one up on the brother, and he's meant to be a quicker rider than me, but we have to do it again, you reckon.
1: That sounds like a good goal, mate. Um, Last thing before we go, one big farming myth, mate, I always ask people farming myths, especially for a... um, So farming, I always find that when I have someone join the company, especially from outside of farming, there's always like, this this is picture people have of farmers. And usually it's some American picture with overalls and pitchforks and red barns. Um, What do you reckon a myth that you have experienced, you know, because especially you've you've worked outside of ag and also internationally, that there's, when they say, oh, you're from a farm, and what myth do you think is commonly Exposed to you, reckon?
0: I think that farmers don't do their homework. I think, like, some, some farmers on Twitter, GZ dive down the details. Like, holy shit, I've never even thought, or I've never even thought that farmers would be like doing that um, after they work, like just going to intense detail to drive down on their, um, their own sort of scenario. But I think diving into business farmers, I think it's a bit of a myth. They were just operators. You can be an operator and a farmer, like trying to grow your business. I think that's a good one. Farmers are now MBA holders. I'm not one, but there's plenty out there and where academia is as we know it.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, And I think, you know, that is also a very common myth. I remember, you know, this idea that farmers run these amazingly big and complex businesses. You know, from the world outside of ag, you're quite right, is often not seen like that, but it's very much like that.
0: Yeah, I, I think we even said it on your um, episode about the farm CEO. Yeah, everyone needs, everyone needs an ag tech technician.
1: Yeah, they do, and and I think that's the reality. You know, like, like Yuki said, these people you're interviewing, people say, "Oh, I'm a farmer." Well, no, you're, you know, in any other business, you'd be the CEO of a X million dollar business with all these complex moving parts. Um, you know, and but most farmers go, "Oh no, I'm just just a farmer."
0: And they're hedging on like forward contracts worth four million dollars. And they know like what the wheat's going to be at this week, where it's going to be there, when they need a spray, um and what that sort of ratio is going to yield at the end of the year pending that rain um yeah, it's amazing to see and amazing to hear
1: yeah, and it's not only that then you're talking about spraying then they have the chemistry and the active constituents that work together, and the, there's a an lot of knowledge you've got to keep in there.
0: the advisors not like tell you all of that stuff, but that farmer actually knows all of these different pieces coming in and out um, i'm just hoping farmers can pull on a different um more people to sort of improve what they're doing rather than just trying to bust their ass day in day out
1: definitely so mate how do people find this podcast um i mean i'm sure they can just google farms advice but so if people want to listen to you and to all your back catalog and then the future mate how do how do we get hold of you
0: apple's the biggest platform apple spotify um or you can google Farms Advice, find us on Instagram. It's a pretty good platform, but TikTok, believe it or not, is our biggest platform. Um, If you're not on there, just Google us, Farms Advice. I'm sure you'll be able to find it.
1: Definitely, and we'll put all those links to all those platforms in the show notes for you, mate. And um, all the best, mate. I look forward to listening to you and hearing your journey through your guests. And um, all the best for the rest of the season, mate. I hope it ends up being a good one and uh, sheep prices stay or go up, I suppose, is what we
0: want them to go. Thank you. No, I think that's probably the first time. I've been vulnerable on an episode.
1: Well, I'm glad I could help, mate, and um, it was great chatting to you. Thanks, mate. Thanks again for listening to Boots Off Log On. Our aim with this podcast is to give you access to the best minds in agricultural business and to help your farm business thrive. So if you have any feedback or suggestions for the podcast, including people you believe I should interview, please email bootsofflogon at agrimaster.com.au. If you like this episode, please take time to share it on social media, or even better, directly with at least one friend a day. And take the time to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, as it really helps us reach more farm businesses like you. As always, if you'd like to know more about Agrimaster farm business management software and services, you can find us at agrimaster.com.au. I look forward to speaking to you next time. Thank you.